It's Friday the 19th of June and we're here with Derek Munn, the RCSLT's Director of Policy and Public Affairs, for our regular monthly catch-up. I should say we are being socially distanced and doing this as a virtual chat from our homes, so apologies if there were any hiccups with the sound or you hear a random noise such as the ring of a doorbell. Derek, it's lovely to hear from you again. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Uh, I am sure we're all aware of the Black Lives Matter campaign, which has been at the forefront of the news. I wonder, could you talk us through RCSLT's response to this, please? Certainly, Vicky. Um, members were in touch with us about this, and rightly so, and we have responded. And the RCSLT you know, seeks to be anti-racist, and going forward, we want a set of direction for that, and we want to have activities which back up being anti-racist. So there's going to be an anti-racism forum on our new professional networks platform for members to connect and discuss their challenges. There's going to be a profession-wide town hall event, which is led by Black, Asian and ethnic minority SLTs that the RCSLT host. This will be a candid conversation about race and identity and discrimination and culture. And we're going to seek to ensure greater visibility of BAME members across all of the communication channels, including the website and social media. Now, everybody knows there's a long-standing issue of underrepresentation of the BAME community and the profession. We already had a big work stream on diversity, but we're ramping that up and giving it this explicit anti-racism orientation. There's a meeting coming shortly. Kamenia's CEO is taking a personal lead, and it's going to be a priority that everyone in the organisation is aware of going forward. Thank you, Derek. That's all very positive and moving in the right direction. Of course, sadly, we cannot forget that we're also in the midst of a pandemic, and that continues to occupy much of what we're doing at RCSLT. Um, Derek, I wonder if you can tell us what strands of influencing and work are happening at the moment to support our members during COVID-19? Thanks, Vicky. Well, first of all, to talk about work which is being led by members and by my colleagues in the professional team, um, we know that we're seeing a restarting of services, changes to lockdown across the four nations. And I think we're very aware that that means that whereas members working in intensive care, adult acute, have been on the front line for months, actually there are some other groups of members, for example those working in school settings, who are now just entering their active phase of having to engage with what does this mean in infection control? What does this mean in terms of protective equipment? What does this mean in terms of face-to-face -face practice? So we've issued a big document to guidance around restarting services, a framework for decision-making and assessing risk. We're also continuing to refresh the guidance on reducing transmission of the virus through the use of the right PPE. And we've thought about the implications across all of the elements of care. Updated papers on endoscopy and video fluoroscopy, and also the guidance that's out on telehealth and remote supervision, and how to deliver telehealth as a placement. We're working on all of those, because we know that as we move forward, keeping what's good about telehealth and remote working, but making sure it's where it's appropriate and where it's evidence-based, all of that is gonna matter. And we know particularly the specific challenges for speech and language therapists working with children. So we're continuing to explore that to make sure we promote the right innovative practice. Wonderful, thank you. And what about external influencing work? What's, what's happening there? 
Okay, so the Westminster Parliament is back. It's continuing to do work. One thing would be the domestic violence bill, where we've been influencing as it goes through its passage. We briefed MPs on the links between speech, language and communication on the one hand, and situations of abuse on the other. And several speeches in the debate from MPs gave pretty moving case studies of cases where speech and language was a relevant consideration in the situation. Uh, there's a rather obscure bit of law going through called the Medical Devices Bill, but what it is enabling us to do is work with other allied health professions to push the case again for prescribing rights to be extended and expanded to ourselves and other professions where appropriate. We're working around the issue of clear face masks, transparent face coverings. Um, we know that organisations representing the deaf community are pushing this in the context of protective equipment and the COVID-19 outbreak. We've had a clear position from the outset, which notes that as well as the deaf community, clear masks can be important for a range of people with other conditions. And indeed, as we know, all of us who are sighted make use of nonverbal cues. They need to be produced to the right standard. They need to be quality assured, and then they need to be procured. And none of that is stuff that the Royal College is going to do, but we continue to press the case to make that happen. I think the last thing I'd say about Westminster, which is a bit less positive, is that they changed their process after a few weeks back in a way which is denying those MPs who are shielding the right to participate fully, even though down the corridor in the House of Lords, they are allowing that to happen. It's not a good look in terms of disability inclusion. And the other thing to say is that Brexit is back on the agenda. So actually, if you're listening to me give political updates through the rest of the year, um, Brexit is back and will increasingly feature in what we talk about going forward. Thank you. That's comprehensive. And I should add, going back to all of this um, content you mentioned about the, the new guidance, that if members are looking for support, they should visit our COVID-19 hub, which is at rcslt.org slash learning slash COVID hyphen 19. And I'll repeat that address on the description of this podcast. So clearly a lot is going on, as we know, we've heard already, but what's happening in the nations that members will be keen to hear about? I think that the COVID-19 outbreak has brought home to people, perhaps for the first time, the reality of what devolution means, that we have four governments in the UK, not one, and they each make their own choices. So the reopening of schools would be a very good example, which relates to the profession, as well as to parents. Um, in England, specified year groups have been back since the 1st of June. In Wales, it's the 29th of June, but there are no restrictions on which year group. And Scotland and Northern Ireland, it's after the summer, but after the summer in Scotland and Northern Ireland means the middle of August. So you can see those differences. The plans around rehabilitation, restarting services, they're also being done times four around the UK. So our influencing needs to be times four around the UK. Uh, I would particularly mention developments in Scotland. You may recall, if you listen to these updates regularly, that we've had some success in getting inclusive communication written into the law in Scotland. Um, and now we've been asked to give evidence, and we, we did it this week, to a parliamentary committee around communication disadvantage in the context of COVID-19. This month's RCSLT 75th anniversary theme is service users. 
it was really a good opportunity to talk to you, Derek, about why do you think the service user voice is vital to the profession and how are we linking in with service users? Asia Society has got a long-standing ambition to do more and more of our work as co-production, whether that's the lobbying and influencing work or whether that's the production of education materials and guidance or whether it's raising awareness and profile in the media or elsewhere. That's even more the case now. There's going to be a reprioritization of resources going forward and those resources are going to be scarce and making the case for speech and language therapy even more than before is going to require the voices of people with speech language communication swallowing needs front and center saying this is why this matters we've been engaged in that in recent months we've worked with um, service users around stroke around cleft we're going to be doing stuff on selective mutism and on developmental language disorder there's been an additional challenge that a number of our partner organizations that advocate with service users have seen their income go off a cliff, have had to furlough staff. So we've tried to be supportive um, and deal with that added dimension as well. Thank you, fascinating. So thank you, Derek, for your time today. Um, it's been a very interesting and thought-provoking discussion as usual. I'd like to take this opportunity to urge members who haven't done so to take a look at our guidance documents. And I will make sure that the link is with the description of this podcast. So Derek, until next month, thank you very much. Thank you.